Do you love love? I actually do love love. I love love. Everyone who knows me knows that about me. I am obsessed with setting people up. I've only had one success in my life, but I'm very proud of that success. They're married. That's our colleague, Heard on the Street columnist, Laura Foreman. She has another love, reporting on dating apps. For this particular podcast, I did canvas my friends to ask if they could describe their dating app experience in five words or less. Like, what would they say about them? Yeah, what did they say? Ready? Fun for about five seconds. No, just no. A waste of dopamine. Quantity, not quality. Diluted, too random. Time-consuming takes commitment. An addiction. And But here's the best. Worth it all, I guess, because I met my fiancé. Dating apps have exploded in the last decade. Three in 10 adults in the U.S. say they've used one, and it's grown to a multi-billion dollar industry. But now, dating apps are going through a bit of a dry spell. Their stocks are falling, and revenue has flatlined. Are investors losing interest? Yeah, they're definitely losing interest. They're breaking up with dating apps? They're breaking up with dating apps. Very good, Kate. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, February 14th. Coming up on the show, dating apps. Have we reached peak swipe? This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. It might be hard to find love, but it isn't hard to find a dating app. There are a lot of them. Hinge, Tinder, Grinder, Bumble, Plenty of Fish, OkCupid, okay, Pears, um, Fruits. Fruits? Yeah, Fruits. Fruits is great. It's for Gen Z. It's for intention. So you, you pick a fruit, I don't know, cherry or grapes, and the fruit symbolizes what you're looking for. You get the idea. And we wanted to know what it feels like to use some of these apps. So we asked you, our listeners. So I have used Hinge, Tinder, Bumble. Being a woman in Los Angeles, I filtered for Zodiac signs. It feels so mindless. It's choice overload. One of the things that I really like about the apps is kind of the options it gives you. Options in a sense of kind of looking outside your social circles. And I also filtered for some lifestyle factors. I didn't want to be with someone who smoked since I'm allergic to smoke. What I dislike about dating apps are that I believe it makes me act more shallow than I would in person. Another thing I really don't like about the apps is that the odds are good, but the goods are odd.
there's one company that's behind many of the dating apps you use. It's Match Group. Match Group, which is the biggest dating app company that I cover, they own like 15 different dating platforms, Tinder being their biggest. But they have over 100 million worldwide users. So that's how many people are on dating apps, just to put it into perspective. Match Group owns apps like Hinge, OkCupid, and The League. It grew out of Match.com, a browser-based dating service that started about 30 years ago. This was well before smartphones. On your old school computer, you would go in and sign up, and it was paywalled, so you'd have to pay. One of the first dating websites to launch more than a decade ago was Match.com. It now has more than a million paying subscribers, proving that there's profit in playing Cupid. How did Match Group become so dominant? Tinder. Absolutely Tinder. Tinder was started in 2012 and targeted college students. It was free, and it had a special something that set it apart from other dating apps. Tinder essentially invented the swipe, and that changed dating forever. Now, almost every app has some version of a swipe or a like. It makes it fun. So it ostensibly makes it fun. The swipe turned finding a date into a game. You scroll through potential dates, and if you like what you see, you swipe right, and if you don't, you swipe left. How do the apps make money? So almost every app is what they call freemium. And that means that you can sign up and go on and use the app for free. But if you pay, you get added features, you get added preference. In other words, you become more noticeable, more flashy. (laughs) More people pay attention to you the more you pay. Most people on dating apps don't pay. But about a third of users say they have. Prices on the apps range from a few dollars a month to a couple hundred for apps that market themselves as being more exclusive, like Raya and The League. For years, this was a good business model. The apps saw customer growth and investors were happy. But now, Laura says, they're going through a rough patch. I think everyone who wants to be in a dating app at this point is already on a dating app. That's the thing. It's entrenched. Are we at dating app saturation? Yeah, I think we are. There was a big Pew Research study that shows that dating app users, the percentage of Americans using them, hasn't grown at all in three years. This is like a really troubling statistic for the dating industry. There was a period, even just two years ago, three years ago in 2019, Tinder was like at 43% revenue growth. And what is it now? Zero. You can't just be a solid business as a publicly traded company. Like, you have to show investors that there are new legs to your story. So they have to figure out, the dating app companies, how to either get more people on their apps that aren't somehow or get the people who are already on them to pay more. Coming up, how dating apps are trying to boost their profiles by putting a higher price on love. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit 
to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused, like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. What words do you think of when I say Valentine's Day? Mmm, cheesy and chocolate. This is Rin. She's 34 and lives in L.A. I think it's a great holiday. I love candy. I love hearts. I think it's fun to get all all excited about the prospect. I'm a deeply hopeless romantic, even though I'm mildly cynical on top. So, <laughs> mildly. Yeah, deeply romantic at heart, mildly cynical on top. Is that in your dating app profile? Oh, God, I can't tell them that. They'll, they'll use it against me. I don't know. It could be a good—you could try it. You know what? I might change my whole view after this interview. I might do everything differently. How would you describe your dating history? (sighs) Long without long-term relationships. I feel like I've been dating, you know, pretty much my whole life. You know, I came out to L.A. and I started getting on the dating apps in about 2010. So I've been in and out of the dating apps this whole time. I feel like dating apps are just kind of a part of my identity now, almost. I think all of my friends know I'm the single one. I'm always dating somebody. I always know what app there is. When did you first decide to start paying for dating apps? So... In the first couple years of dating, I paid for a couple um, like of the boosts or the highlights or, you know, when you can see just your matches. I paid for that. Like, let me just see who thinks I'm cute and see if I think they're cute, too. And let's try to bypass all this waiting and just swiping because it was like the cost of a cup of coffee. And I was like, fine. And how much money were you spending on them? I mean, for Raya, I've spent, you know, close to $300 in my time on Raya. Um, because they require a monthly membership fee. And then, you know, off of, like, Bumble and then Match, probably another couple hundred dollars. And this is, like, over a time, but, you know, I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. The fact that I've spent, you know, $500 on, like, dating apps seems crazy to me because dating in itself is expensive. You got to get you know, fancy, you got to go out. You, It's expensive to date. So the fact that I've tacked on that amount on top of it, you know, it makes me take a step back. So are you giving up on paying for dating apps? Absolutely, yeah. I'm not giving up on trying or being out there and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't. It's just not worth opening my wallet for something where the experience is the same across other apps that are free. Love, happiness, all of the things I'm looking for. I don't feel like because I pay $20 a month, you know, I have a better chance at it. Rin is still on the apps looking for romance, but she says she isn't going to pay anymore. And that type of user could be a problem for a company like Match. Match not only needs users to pay for the app, it's trying to get them to pay more. Laura spoke to Match Group CFO Gary Swidler. He made the case of paying for dating apps. Paid users 
are able to get themselves more attention, that's one of the big benefits, right? And so because there's a lot of people on it, one of the challenges of a big platform like Tinder is how do I stand out in the crowd? And by paying something, you have the ability to stand out in the crowd, which is valuable if you want to have success. And so we offer that ability to pay so that you can have a better chance of having that success. Can you ever guarantee that someone will find love by spending more money? No, no, and that is like a difference between an Uber or an Amazon and a dating platform, right? Like if you go onto Uber, you have like a whatever, 99% chance of getting a car. And if you order something from Amazon, there's a very high chance it's going to arrive the next day, you know, on your doorstep. The problem with dating is, you know, there's, there's psychological and, and sociological things that happen that, you know, even if you're great from an algorithmic standpoint, you might not have chemistry with that person. And we don't have the ability to make better dates in that sense. There's too much human element that interferes. But one thing Match can do is try to persuade users to pay more. So the company is launching new premium tiers. Match Group will start offering a subscription to Hinge users that will cost as much as $60 a month and is meant to attract, quote, highly motivated daters. It's trying a new payment model with Tinder, too. So they're looking at basically charging people who already pay more. And I'm talking like $500 a month, which is just like, to me, an absurd number. It's like the elite class. It's like first class. Yeah. So I talked to this pricing expert just trying to figure out like who in God's name would pay that much to use Tinder, which is like, you know, kind of known as like a hookup app. And he was saying that like, basically, there's a certain number of people in the world who like would pay for anything just for the status, like in credit cards, like Amex, you introduce the platinum card and everyone wants it or the the black card and everyone wants it. And then there's like a status associated with that. But he also said that like by having a higher tier price point, just by it existing, it could elevate the brand. So it gives it more clout. But getting users to pay for an elite dating app tier might be tricky. When we asked you for your experiences of paying, your responses were mixed. I have paid for dating apps before. And frankly, I thought it was a good decision because using the dating apps is oftentimes like cutting through the forest with a machete. Paying doesn't necessarily help you get good matches or better matches. That's mostly about what your photos look like and what your prompts say. I'm a big proponent of paying for dating apps, but I don't think that it works unless you're going in with the intention to really use that money that you're spending. You figure, hey, it's, you know, eight, nine bucks for a month or something like that. And that's pretty much the cost of a drink when you go out. It was well worth it. I met my wife and I know I uh, wouldn't have met her any other way. How important is it for these companies to get their users to pay more? It's essential. I mean, people are over dating apps in terms of investors. Like, they're moving on to other areas that actually are growing. So they, honestly, like, I think I would give Match one to two more quarters to start showing some progress before people completely lose interest. Like, that's where they're at at this point. Is the bottom line for dating apps that it's possible that they can make love but not money? Yes. I mean... The vast majority of users are not paying. I mean, there's always been this, like, 
overarching question with dating apps as to whether they work for their consumers, for their users to find love, or whether they work for investors to make money. And I think that's still unanswerable. Like, we're not sure. I mean, the cynic in me says they're making money. But also, you know, 50% of my friends met through dating apps. So they're incidentally making love along the way, too. Well, we love having you on the show. Oh. Happy Valentine's Day, Laura. You too. Right back at you. That's all for today, Tuesday, February 14th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to all of you who emailed us about your dating app experience. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.